And welcome back, everyone. Today we're doing a special episode um, looking into the photography and modeling industry. Uh, today I have my special guest, uh, After Hours' first signed model, and my friend, uh, Velvet Von Blue. Hello, Marcelo, and hello, everybody listening. It, it's been a while since we actually got to work with each other on anything. On anything. The last time we hung out, we just went to the park and just bullshitted for quite a bit. But it's been quite a while since we've actually been in the same room around any type of photography or media equipment. Yeah. And well, just and with After Hours, it's been almost non-existent. I think, I think just uh, it's good to take a break every now and then. But we have definitely gone through a lot. I mean, we don't have matching tattoos for nothing. That's true. She is actually the first person and the only person that uh, she was not just the model. She was also the uh, set assistant because when we first started, it, it was a, a mutual understanding that, uh, well, I have a fear of touching people. You have a thing about your personal bubble space, which I would always try to push ever so gently with my personal bubble space invasion. Yeah, that was an awkwardness. <laughs> it but, wore uh, you down eventually. But it did, it did help because also being a male photographer, working with females, it's always good to have a uh, set assistant or someone who's there to make sure that everyone is okay, everyone's comfortable, but also to uh, save everyone's butt just in case someone tries saying something. And it definitely, definitely helps when it's a friend that helps out on the set. I mean, I've always known for me being part of your set crew was always just something that felt so supremely natural. I mean, even in this industry, you like for me i have so many different facets that i do but for your company and for you i've always loved just being behind the sets and helping you out whether it's getting snacks for the girls or running lights or making sure that everybody's where they need to be doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it it helps your life a little bit makes it a little easier so you can focus on what you need to be doing which is standing behind the camera and making sure that we look our best oh well it's you know the models always say that, but for for me, it's it's the model because uh, if not, it's just pretty much you're taking uh, environment photos. <laughs> that kind of ha that's how it feels sometimes. Even as a model, you feel like you're just like a prop in it. I guess like we're there to even in the industry. As long as I've done it, I've always been told the model's job is to stand there and look pretty. That's all you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to talk. You're not supposed to think. You're not supposed to do anything. You're just supposed to stand there and look pretty and. I break that rule quite frequently in all of my shoots because I'm the loud one. Yeah, well, it is a true a true mentality that the with the sets and especially fashion photos, they they are pretty much just the dancing monkey. Uh, yeah, but it's always been um, my goal to kind of steer into a different direction. And I think um, when we first started working with each other, it was it was a collaboration, honestly. A collaboration in its truest form it wasn't just me behind the camera we would work on everything from the set we would work to on what the, the clothing is gonna look like the theme the makeup and it was just a, a hand-in-hand -hand collaboration in its truest form yeah you kind of let me run with it when I'm doing my business like once I get there and I'm in my makeup artist apron I kind of take over and it's my show at that point, because I'm making sure that the models are like, I, they're there on time, that they're getting into their wardrobes. If they need help with their wardrobe, 
in any way, shape, or form. I'm helping them with that. It's mostly just being, I like to call it the I'm the extra adult on set to help out in any way I can. I mean, sometimes we can't even adult for ourselves, so we need a designated adult. And then the shoots, I'm the designated adult. <laughs> uh, well, she says designated adult, but, uh, you know, you we always state... We are semi-professional uh, for a reason. <laughs> we are semi-professional in the sense that I am the most inappropriate one on set. There's there's but... dirty jokes. There's dark humor. <laughs> there's a lot of dirty jokes. There's a lot of dark humor. There's a lot of me saying things that... Sometimes I say the seven words that you're not allowed to say on television or radio without the FCC banning you. <laughs> and I just don't care. <laughs> All right, so we actually are sitting down with a few of our favorite drinks. Um, I'm drinking uh, Black Cherry Mead that my friend and uh, also fellow guest host uh, from some of the episodes uh, gifted me on our last podcast episode. Um, explain to what you're drinking. <laughs> I am not a not trying to be a spokesperson for the company or anything, but I am drinking my tried and true favorite brand of beer. I'm drinking Pops Blue Ribbon. And I'm actually drinking it out of a Star Wars-themed travel coffee cup because I was concerned about if there was going to be video, if somebody was going to be mad, like, oh, she's drinking alcohol. I'm 36 years old. I'm legally allowed to drink all over the world <laughs> at this point. I should be allowed to have a beer in my Star Wars coffee cup. Plus, it's stickers that I put on myself, so it's my Stormtrooper cup. Can't miss. Well, this episode, we, I mean, this, this podcast, we usually encourage if you want to have a drink, if it's alcoholic beverage, or just a water or soda, it's, it's pretty much what Yeah, we stay do. hydrated. Hydrate um, yourself however you can. So I wanted to go over because there's uh, a history that involved uh, about being in the modeling industry. So um, if you can just indulge any everyone with uh, you know, a brief history of how, you know, getting into the, the industry, what, what, what started you in modeling and... What, what, tell us about yourself. So picture it. Redding, California, 1985. Yes, I love the Golden Girls. Don't mind my Sophia references. I, uh, My mom entered me in a photo contest originally for a company called Photoshop that was here in town. And I won their baby contest. And that kind of lit a little bit of a fire under my mom's ass to be one of those stage moms so then it turned into putting me into gymnastics so even a lot of the model poses that I use still to this day are poses that I would use during a gymnastics competition doing like a floor exercise mm. to help elongate the body make it look more toned and defined um and then throughout my teen years I did some modeling here and there um, that was a little rough as a teen model. They wanted you to be a certain look and I'm very far from the look what they wanted me to be, but they paid. So I wore the clothes and did the makeup the way they wanted. And then when I was offset, I did my own alternative pinup look and did not care what they thought. Um, then I advanced, got older, met Marcelo, got into the after hours, digital media and have kind of been in and out ever since and i love it yeah i believe uh i actually really can't remember our first session i think it was just a normal i can't remember our first session but i can remember the first time meeting you 
Oh yes, yes. Uh, that was a. Yeah, with that, that's a dark history. That's a dark that, history. Yeah. Awkward, awkward history. Thankful, thankfully, throughout the whole process, like we were able to maintain a really good friendship, and I think the experience kind of made us. Really it close. gave us it, it it brought us closer as friends and made us more solidified as family yeah. it you didn't really have anybody looking out for you at that time and i didn't really give a fuck if i pissed people off and i made sure that you were aware but i also did it in a way where i, I was trying to come from a place with love to mm-hmm. make sure that you knew that me as a person I was trying to be as good of a friend as I humanly possibly could and it turned into an amazing friendship that has spanned years and years over decades yeah we have definitely uh been there for each other and and really tough times I mean we go back prior to 2009 like yeah that was uh yeah the year after I I started after hours mm-hmm. yeah so um did you how how much uh, modeling did you do before we started working together? Because I know there was uh, there was modeling there was well photography groups meetup groups and I know you were you were a part of it. I've been doing like the the photography model meetup groups and that kind of helped me segue into doing the set background stuff and helping with costuming and hair and makeup. Uh, I do my own hair, I do my own makeup, I provide my own wardrobe to shoots, and a lot of the photographers really dig that. Sometimes it is very easy. Yeah, it it, it helps. It makes the shoot flow a lot faster and a lot smoother. And I started seeing a lot of more of the behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, well, I have all of this intelligence with doing hair and makeup. And at that point, I was doing SFX makeup for fun. I was making like Halloween themed stuff and doing a lot of more spooky styled things Mm -hmm. and so getting the opportunity to do more glamorous more pretty more high fashion style looks was really fun for me because it even though it i could still do my fun spooky stuff getting to do the real elaborate fun pretty colorful makeup on people it was my jam Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite ones like i put a girl in hot pink eyeshadow and she looked gorgeous she's fabulous (laughs) I think that was a. Uh, that was I think the first behind the scenes was that fairy tale shoot. And that fairy shoot that was so much fun. That was it was a beautiful location done at a really uh, here in Reading. The seasons were really hit and miss. So getting yeah. to do something like that before it got too hot, but it was still not freezing cold. Was super nice. It was a great shoot. We had a blast. Yeah, I think that kind of also solidified what style that we we gravitated towards because uh, a lot of it was very, very fashionable. Very and the models that we were working with, especially that I kept gravitating towards, were like the dark, uh, edgy fantasy look. There was like uh, the dark colors. There was like the ripped clothing, and then uh, uh, VVB, the, the name that I call her, uh, she. <laughs> kind of started gravitating towards those malls and 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 coaching um but it was fun because uh it was a, a really good experience uh and i also established another friendship with another model as well i think between us both we've established a really good friendship with a lot of the models that have worked with us uh, my personal favorite 
is who I call my poison ivy. We did the Comic Con event together mm-hmm. um, in Chico, which was so much fun. I mean, as a nerd and <laughs> a huge nerd, I am. Uh, it was it was so much fun to do that and to do that with and to do that and experience it with her was a blast. Like she's my PIC. She's my partner in crime. Like I will go to jail for this one girl. She's the only (laughs) one I'll go to jail for. And it, it's solidified, not just a friendship with her, but like, yeah, with all of the other girls that we've worked with throughout the years, you and I both have maintained a really good repertoire with all of them and have been able to have not just a professional relationship with them, but like a personal outside of work friendship with them too yeah. and that's really important in this industry it's it's hard in this industry to make friends it's yeah. a really lonely industry if you think about it yeah because it is very hard to trust everyone especially you're you are making yourself a little vulnerable to photographers because you're being photographed in situations and uh, you know environments that uh, they kind of just look at you as just a way of propelling their business which there's that their disconnect with the individual they're looking at it like you're a pretty face and your whole job there like you said earlier is like you're a trained dancing monkey you're there to look a certain way wear a certain outfit and move a specific way and i as like a set designer like i know everything has to be super serious but i know that it makes you feel more comfortable if the model is laughing and having a good time because that gives this real relaxed vibe to the whole set. Like it doesn't have to be super serious. You don't have to take yourself so extremely serious in our shoots. We try to give you that, like, this is fun. It's not really, it's a job, but at the same time, it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be having fun doing this. You're supposed to be able to like let loose, be a little wild kind of shed some inhibitions and step out of yourself for a moment and get to be the character that you're portraying in the shoot yeah and that's and that's i think what's uh helped propel after hours because a lot of it was when i first started it was just mainly word of mouth it, there, we there were was, word of mouth it was word of mouth and handing out business cards and yeah. well even the first year the first couple of years there were no business cards no it there was, was no it, business cards it was myspace we were using myspace yeah, there's there myspace but a lot of it was i had one model come in and be like okay tell, tell your friends and and people were calling me and emailing me hey can i do this do this and do this it was it was being propelled quickly just by word of mouth alone and that we you end up gaining a lot of momentum really quick and to, that's what helped with me uh creating the little modeling group that we had for a couple of years and it was mainly uh you know people they were returning and wanting to and continue doing modeling continue doing the, the photo sessions um so with that coming into with your i want you to you know what are your experiences in in photography what are the the, you you want the good ones or the bad ones i mean like i've got i've got tons of both like where you want where you want to delve what are the types of photo sessions that you've done in the past or in current (laughs) um do you want the pg-13 ones or do you want the ones that that really catapulted me uh well i think we're just going to cover all because i think everyone kind of looks into everything when they're trying to step into modeling because if if you don't know there's not just like three or four types of uh photography or modeling sessions there there are a lot um but what what 
what did you what were your experiences going through it and what types did you do um i started out doing like when i was a teenager i did print modeling so i would show up they'd be like here's your wardrobe here's what you're gonna wear this is where we're gonna put you this is what you're gonna do and i was like fine the older i got and the more liberties i was allowed to take um once i turned 18 I decided to embrace the fact that, like, this is my body, and if I don't want somebody touching it, I don't have to let them touch me. If I don't want somebody looking at me a specific way, I don't have to let them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, about a, a decade ago, I moved to San Francisco, and I really embraced the inner me in myself, the me that I had been not necessarily hiding, but the one that had just been kind of waiting to express themselves and come out and and meet the world. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved to the Bay Area, I started doing a lot more alternative style because the community in San Francisco for like art and FET and things like that is it's vast. It is a large And you would think with like an industry like the way San Francisco is laid out, it's so buttoned up, suit and tie, business, 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 but there's this beautiful and I mean it, there's a beautiful C D underbelly of San Francisco's photography fet life industry where people like me really are embraced and we shine and we thrive. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved being down there. I loved doing the type of modeling that I was allowed to express myself and do. And I was really sad when I came back up here and you and maybe one or two other photographers were the only ones that were willing to go that far and do those types of shoots because they aren't considered tame. They're not in any way, shape, or form. You find a model that's dressed up in shibari rope, which if anybody is interested, shibari his beautiful artwork with rope. It um, is an ancient craft, actually, from Japan. It is. It's, and it takes skill and trust. It does. You have to have a lot of trust in the person who's putting your ropes together. And so like, I started seeing stuff like that, and it was living, breathing art. It wasn't just a photo of a girl or a man or a trans or non-binary person in shibari rope. It's a living, breathing form of art. And so for me, in my photo shoots... Even today, I still look at myself as a living, breathing, moving, workable piece of art. I am a sculpture. I am no different than Dionysus or Aphrodite or Hecate. I am mm. an embodiment of art. So, so you have uh, you're very known for pinup and rockabilly. I am. I am. It was kind of surprising when I moved down to the Bay Area and I saw how big of the rockabilly community was down in the Bay Area. I felt like I had found my tribe. <laughs> Because with my look, I take the, the traditional principles of the rockabilly looks with like the victory rolls and the beautiful dresses and things like that. But I put a darker twist on it and I add things with skulls and crossbones, poison bottles, mm-hmm. you know, all colored hair. Like right now I have green hair on my ends. It's called absinthe <laughs> of all things. Um, so I try to do what's more of the like grunge rocker slash heavy metal rockabilly and it's kind of catching on Mm -hmm. i'm seeing more of the pinup community stray from wearing like the really pretty colors and do more of like the embracing like the darker like the skulls and the crossbones and the roses and coffins and things like that and when i found my tribe down in the bay area doing that i was hooked i was there i was all for it and then i feel like when i moved back up here 
I brought a lot of that look mm-hmm. and that subculture back up here with me to my local you know community of the pinup girls going like look like even the alt rock goth girls can totally do pinup and be gorgeous head to toe just like they always are yeah it was neat to see and it's the style that the actually that was after hours is known for uh because there was a lot of photographers up here that do pinup which is like the kitsch the bubbly look the bright cutesy cheesecake is what it's called cutesy cheesecake uh, but a lot of the models that came towards After Hours were the ones, and I keep telling them, everyone, they were the models that could kick your ass in real life and are not afraid to just take a bottle and smash it. The, a lot of them were the hardcore, and they did not want to do the kitsch. They did not want to do the bubbly, hey, hey, I smile. Do, you know, I, for a long time, got put into the kitschy category because when I was a teenager, I had the platinum blonde hair in the Marilyn Monroe style. So everyone's like, oh, she's kitschy. She's bubbly. She's perky. She's all of these things. And I'd go home and blast Rob Zombie (laughs) and Nine Inch Nails and Primus and put my hair completely out of a Marilyn Monroe style and then go completely into my alt look, which was my look. And people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, I get paid. <laughs> I get paid. You want me to wear like a Marc Jacobs outfit? You want me to wear something that's high end in fashion? I'll wear it. But I'm showing up to set in Halloween leggings and I'm going to leave in Halloween leggings. <laughs> so, and then uh, what I've seen building up is, uh, is the, the rockabilly and pinup style are actually slowly coming to my area over here in Red Bluff. Yeah. Um, but I don't really photograph one-on-one with people anymore um it's just something that i got uh too known for that style and the moment i i kept telling everyone hey i want to do this it was uh that everybody comes out of the woodwork wanting it yeah and then when you're kind of they're only wanting to shoot that as someone who likes photographing expressing it does get daunting after a while you're known for oh i'm the rockabilly guy the, the fact that you have the variety, though, you have all of the different outlets. Like, we have the pinup mafia style, militia mm-hmm. style photo shoots. We have, here you do the boudoir. You do a lot of multifaceted because you have models like me. We can chameleon. We can blend. Yeah. We can do this wide variety. So we're not stuck just being singled into one category. And it, it's helpful when you have models that are extremely versatile that can go from being like runway ready to doing, you know, getting down in the dirt and getting kind of grungy like we did with the, with the Friday the 13th shoot. Yeah, that was actually fun. That was, uh, but the, the bad thing is though is everyone did only want one style. And that's, that's when, when, we, when we stopped working a while ago because we were dealing with everything. That's all I was being asked to do. Yeah, and it was it was kind of tiring. So I did take a I did take a break, and I did uh, focus on landscape photography and still life and cars. Graduation um, photos. You were doing graduation yeah. photos there for a while. Those turned I out did. so gorgeous. Like I envy any senior who was able to get a Marcelo Chavez senior portrait done because I know most of the senior portraits from my graduating class of two thousand and two were not well done and were yeah, very there's boring that, they were very boring looking there's that uh, cookie cutter look and it's what i bring even when i did do maternity shoots is 
I bring the same style as the fashion, so the lighting, the angles, the everything. Clothing. Some the, of those maternity dresses that you've shot are just so gorgeous. The garments do sometimes make the shot, but it's always the photographer standing behind the lens. Yeah, and that's it's a, it's the same, and also it's what they they bring. Some of them like a, like the cookie cutter shots for the graduate graduation photos. It's one flat light, and it's the same pose over and over and over again. But um, I did a maternity shoot with a former coworker, and I brought the same lighting setup as if I was doing a high-end fashion shoot. So it was, it was the lighting was soft. It was still it was, everything was on point, and it was uh, the lighting was very the colors are very vibrant, and it was something that I haven't seen anyone else bring. So bringing that same that same style as the pinup in fashion, I bring to everything. So when I do, uh, I've, I did. Um, baby pictures a couple days ago Aww. brought that that same lighting style that same fa- high-end fashion uh well uh work to it and it's not as good. everyone else does like the soft look the very everybody nice does those fantasy like they, they soften the lighting too yeah, much yeah they make it really soft they're the the whole goal for like those baby photos is to give it that ethereal angelic look like it's yeah. almost like a dream sequence in a movie and they overdo it and it kind of takes away from the natural beauty that is that new life that's been created well, and if you pay attention that same lighting style is what you do for memorial pictures yeah that's exactly what you do You're like are we celebrating this baby's birth or are we getting ready for the end <laughs> and you notice all of those babies are asleep so i always wonder like are those babies just heavily milk drunk because as an adult if i take down a bottle and i pass out like that I get called. I get told that I have an issue and that I have a quote unquote problem. But a baby doesn't, and everybody's like cooing and calling. Oh, yeah! Welcome for your serotonin boost, people. <laughs> so, for your modeling experience, uh, so what were what were your limitations when you uh, when working? Um, so I've always stood by the old traditional Hugh Hefner, even though he was a huge womanizer i stand by hugh hefner's old original like theories with the old playboys where you could show off the breast you could show off you know the rear end the backside, but you kind of covered the the cootie cat the 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 <laughs> vajayjay the vagine the the tidbits i'm of the modeling area where it I like to model myself more after like the 50s girls where you showed as much as humanly possible without getting censored. Yeah. So for me, there are certain parts of my body that are off limits that I would only let like my partner or my gynecologist see. You know, I keep that stuff off limits. Um, There's girls in the industry that will do full blown like penthouse, mind the word, spreads. (laughs) and you can practically see their cervix and it's it looks a little invasive to Mm -hmm. me i like the i like the mystery of it i like the the question of like oh you know i know she has these specific genitals but like what kind of pattern does she have her hair shaved in like is she like full 70s bush does she have a landing strip is it in the shape of a lightning bolt or star like it's that sense of like wonderment and mystery that really seals the deal for me like i don't mind showing off my chest i don't mind showing off my backside personally they're two of my favorite attributes but there are certain things that i kind of want to keep sacred not just to me but 
for me, for my mm-hmm. sense of peace, for my kind of like anonymity in a way. Yeah. It it just it leaves that just that little smidgen of mystery that everybody's wanting. Right. And then uh, you know, it's always good to also be able to stand your ground. Um, you being in the industry, how many honestly, how many times has someone tried asking or pushing, or even even kind of to the point where you might want to punch them because of the way they and the method they asked. Um, I've actually dealt with that even up until recently, having artists or photographers coming and sending me messages asking, you know, sending me information. They're like, okay, well, this is the kind of stuff that we're looking for, and this is what we want you to do. And it's just, it's not my comfort level. Mm-hmm. And I try to explain that to them, and they're like, okay, well, we're willing to compromise and do this, this, or this. And I still tell them whether it's not or it's outside of my comfort bounds. And a lot of the times, as a model, you have every right to hold your body as a temple, as its own individual. It's yours, and what you do with it is yours. If you're getting asked to do things that you're not comfortable with and go against maybe your principles, your belief systems, or who you are as a person deep down at your core, don't do it. You don't have to. Is it going to cost you money? Yeah. But are you going to feel better about yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror the next morning? Absolutely. That's very true. And as photographers, it is you must abide and respect the model's you know, uh, limitations. I mean, honestly, if, if someone's not comfortable doing something, don't push it. They're going to make you're going to be uncomfortable yeah, I mean, with that there's, situation. There's models out in the industry that are you know really comfortable doing stuff like that, and they're mm. like, "This is what I want to do." And a lot of the times, it's the photographer that's uncomfortable doing it because it crosses their lines and their boundaries. So as we're talking, she's staring at me because um, <laughs> she's been witness to sometimes a question coming up, and I quickly without resp- you know, the sentence being finished is, "No, I don't do that type of photography." Um, yeah. I mean, when you're getting asked to do like penthouse and newer playboy styled photo shoots and you're not comfortable with it as a photographer, you as a photographer have every right to say, no, here's my boundaries and my list. Yeah. Cause you not in any time in, in my lifetime, have I gotten a doctorate or am I a gynecologist? I'm not certified. I do not want to see certain things. And that's one of them. And that's a statement that, that, uh, that, caused a lot of not, not issues but the the laughter coming from v uh, <laughs> because i would say i'm not a gynecologist so no. <laughs> you, my all-time favorite i'm not a doctor but i'll take a look see that would be coming from me <laughs> i'm not a doctor but i'll take a look if something's wrong kind of situation yeah there has been there has been a situation where uh the type of and it wasn't intentional it was uh, a um, a clothing malfunction <laughs> That uh, <laughs> closing, yeah. not as bad as the Jenna Jackson Super Bowl nip slip, but pretty close. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, that's why I do work with an assistant. I do work with um, a female assistant because uh, she was. I was actually still getting the lighting ready, and if she didn't check, you know, we would have been all seeing. There would have been a lot of exposure on this person and i know that that type of exposure was really crossing their boundary lines and if they hadn't have noticed it i would have felt horrible letting my model go out on set 
And then finding out throughout the shoot later on that that kind of incident was going on, I would have felt I would have been mortified. I would have been absolutely, I would have felt heartbroken for that person because I'm kind of the last eyes on you before you hit set. And it's my job to make sure that the hair looks right, the outfit looks right, the makeup looks right. But it's also my job to make sure that any type of undergarments the model is wearing are covering what they're supposed to be covering mm -hmm. so that the model can feel more comfortable and more free to perform their art in front of the camera. Also to make everyone comfortable. It's to, ma it's to it make everybody it comfortable. Made everyone uncomfortable. It is. It, it's to make me comfortable. It's to make the photographer comfortable, but it's ultimately to make the model feel more comfortable. It, if your model's uncomfortable, your it's gonna read on their faces. It's yep. gonna read in like how they pose, how they stand, the way their face looks. It's gonna determine whether or not you're gonna get out of a hundred good shots, eighty, or out of a hundred you're only gonna get like five. Yeah, which is not not good, especially doing model photography. So this this is gonna segue into uh, the personal experience. Uh, we both have good and bad personal experiences working with either models or other photographers or just location and uh, owners of locations. Um, so V, go ahead and what is your best experience? Oh, wow. Um, one, of, one of my best experiences was actually one of like the first real big shoots that you and I did with like the model meetups and we did that fairy tale shoot out the creeks. Mm -hmm. That was really fun. Um I almost every time we've worked together I've had an enjoyable experience. So I can't really nail down a solid one. But that that creek shoot it kinda had to be like the best. I mean you I had lost my adopted grandpa that day and I was supposed to be on set and Marcella took the time to allow me to gather myself and let me choose if I wanted to be a part of that shoot or not. And even though I came in full hair, full makeup, ready to get into costume, I just hung back behind the scenes and helped everybody out. And that was really beneficial for me. Like I'm a helper. That's my love language. And getting to do that helped me keep my mind off of the sadness that I was going through that day. So actually that was, yeah, that has to be like the best one, hands down, best experience, at least with at least with After Hours Digital Media. I think, er, yeah, every experience I, we usually try to make it uh, memorable. Uh, we, use, we use the term, and I created the term uh, phototherapy. Uh, a session is supposed to actually give you a break. Mm -hmm. you, Everyone's also always came in and they never thought about anything stressful. They never thought about what's going on before or after the shoot. They, it was a break for them to be someone else, to get into a character of someone else. Oh, absolutely. Velvet is, honestly, she's my cathartic release. Velvet is everything that I wish I, that I could express on a daily basis. However, we live in a society of people who will look down on you for that. So I mean, like Velvet really gives me that freedom of that self-expression of being able to be myself, but without actually having to like be myself, mm -hmm. without having the repercussion. Like there's no repercussions with being Velvet. She is, she's loud, she's in your face. She's, I mean, yes, I'm loud and I'm in your face too, but she kind of, 
she gets away with a lot more than I ever could. And I'm really grateful that I have Velvet as my my persona in this industry to be able to release everything that I'm going through before a shoot, whether I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm going through heartbreak or I'm dealing with stupid people doing their bullshit. Velvet gives me that opportunity to release myself and step out of me as who I am in the regular world. And she's not really a costume, but she's definitely a part of me and I can step out of myself and go into her so easily that she's very comforting. She's very, she's like a safe space. She's like that safety blanket, that best friend that gives you a hug when you're having a bad day. She's honestly, Velvet is everything for me. There's definitely a character that I've noticed. Uh, everyone creates their own character uh, getting into uh, some kind of themed session. Uh, I've had one uh, individual where uh, they came in and it was, I think maybe third or fourth session they've ever done with another photographer. But it was like, as uh, soon as that camera went up, you see the switch. It was yeah. like, they're very quiet, uh, very, uh, you can see the attitude, but they're, it was kind of like they refrained from coming out. And In this world, you kind of have to. And it's nice to see as a set person. It's really beautiful to see somebody come in, even if they're one of your really good friends. You come in and you see them just literally light up and turn into this new whole person in front of the camera it's it's a wonderful experience to see people being able to come out of their shells like that mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of them uh especially the ones i haven't worked with for a while they keep bringing up they want to go back into it they want to go back into it. they want to get back into that they, they miss that person or they miss that character uh, i encourage them to you know keep going and and you know do their own thing continue that that modeling with another photographer which majority of them either do their own solo work their own their own photography but a lot of them don't really want to find another photographer and i think that's says a lot about the individuals around here it is it's a it's a loyalty like for me i've worked with other photographers but i don't get to be velvet with the other photographers i don't get to be velvet von blue i don't get to be her with the other photographers and even though I've worked with these photographers for years and multiple times there's still that comfortability factor that comes in and so when I model with these other photographers it's really hard for me to keep velvet at bay because she's just screaming She's like, let me out, let me be, show me off. And I have to kind of tell her like, no, sweetheart, like this is not the time nor the place for you. This is me and my time. And this is for me. And it's a weird, underneath those lights, you do, you become a whole different person, Mm -hmm. especially if there's a good soundtrack playing I'll put on whatever the models want to listen to. Yeah, we do encourage music. I've always encouraged whatever makes you feel more comfortable, but also it makes you get into the mindset. Hmm. Go for it. That's what I do. Like personally for me, um, I blast 80s music when I'm getting ready and I'm trying to get out of like me and my mindset and get into like Velvet's mindset. So Velvet listens to a lot of 80s music, but she also listens to a lot of big band 
1930s, 1940s music because that helps her get into the mindset of like where she's going in the direction she wants that shoot to go. And it's interesting like for me as myself to see like for me I listen to a lot of like he- more heavier metal bands like in this moment. Mm-hmm. So I love social distortion. I'll play them for hours on end. I'll play no effects. I'll play all these like random musics, but Velvet really loves the 80s and the 1940s big band scenes. So when I'm trying to get into Velvet's character, I do her playlist. And when I get to actually express myself as me and not Velvet, I play like more my stuff. And it's interesting to see the difference between me and Velvet. Even though we are the same person, she's she's more free. And me as the person, I'm free, but Velvet is like the zero fucks given type of girl. And <laughs> she's the type of girl that everybody wants to be friends with. She absolutely is. And it's so much fun to be her. So with, all, with your experiences, uh, what are your your worst or creepiest experiences modeling? Um, so, <laughs> I mean... When you ask a creepy alt-girl what's her creepiest experience, (laughs) we really have to dig. Um, But for me, honestly, the creepiest experience I had, um, I was, this was years ago, I was, it was the second time I moved back down to the Bay Area, and... I got asked to be a part of this group photo shoot, which I was totally fine with because I figured, you know, oh, group photo shoot, there's, you know, a chance that I'm at least going to know one person, maybe two. And I knew nobody. And so I was sitting there, just this, like, sad little girl, like, in the corner and minding my own business, keeping to myself. And a couple of the other girls in the shoot just, like, kept walking by me making snide-ass remarks. Like, oh, why is she here? Like, what has she got to offer? Blah, blah, blah. And they were really being, see you next Tuesdays about it. (laughs) And I decided, like, right in that moment that I was going to outshine them. And the photographer got a little handsy. Um, the photographer's assistant got a really little handsy. Um, they put me in positions, not like physical positions, but they put my, my belief system positions in, into compromising spots. And I got upset and I completely walked away from the set. I, I walked away. I walked away from my pay for that day. And I, it took me a good solid two months to get back into the industry because I felt really traumatized by what happened and seeing the things and seeing how like some of the other girls were being treated it was horrifying like i don't nobody deserves to be emotionally abused on set and that goes for staff members that goes for crews that goes for the models that goes for the photographers nobody deserves to be screamed and hollered and emotionally abused nobody deserves that yeah no one and also no one deserves to be put in that vulnerable situation period and I mean, at least they could have done was uh, talk to you and give you more information. Oh, I had no support. There was no support. Nobody came for like nobody came to my aid. And when I got put in front of those cameras and I was being told what to do and I felt uncomfortable, I kept getting told, suck it up. You don't have a choice. If you don't want to be here, you can leave. 
And I finally got enough of being called horrible names. And I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm fucking out. And I walked out still in wardrobe. And as I was going to grab my stuff, I'm peeling wardrobe off of me as I'm trying to get into my bag with all of my stuff. And I've got people coming up to me. Oh, you're still on set. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm out. Bye. You don't get to talk to anybody like that. And you sure as fuck don't get to talk to me like that. Like, yeah. I'm not going to deal with that. That No, no. And I'm a the, human being. I think the sad thing, though, is most models believe that they have to put up with this. Oh, no. You don't the, have to. You do not have south, to deal with that. You, the farther south you go in California and, and more in the industry, I mean. Especially the Fed industry. They want you to do some really, some things that a lot of the people, not just girls in general, but like a lot of the people in the industry aren't comfortable doing. Yeah. But in this industry, it's a really money-driven industry. And if you want that money, you're going to do the things that they're asking you to do. And a lot of the times, it really you'll have to take five minutes in the bathroom to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, do I want to do this? Do I want to cross this path? Is this a line I'm willing to go beyond? They and have the same mindset that also... You're an object. Yeah, that you're not a human being. You can be replaced anytime. Oh, which... you absolutely. It's like working in the food retail industry. Like you can absolutely be replaced. There's someone younger, hungrier, prettier, better at any given moment. And especially with like the FET industry, you have to, if you want to be like my age, still working in the FET industry, you have to do some really uncomfortable, outlandish, gonzo-themed things Damn. to keep yourself really relevant. And those of us who are, I'm not saying I'm prim and proper by any means, but I'm, there's things that I still won't do on camera and there's still things I won't do on film. And it puts me at a disadvantage because there's a girl who's 10 years younger than me that's willing to do it. They're going to go with her. Mm-hmm. And even though as an independent contractor, I can set the boundaries of my shoots and what I am and I'm not comfortable with, there's always people in the industry who are going to kind of like sneakily try to weave it into the, the photo shoots through the film sets and things like that. Because a lot of photo shoots are actually filmed and they do that so that they can get not just the still photography but they can get other images later on to use as similar to still photography yeah so you still have to worry about is somebody using the material of you in any way that could be harmful or degrading to your to your image yeah there's a lot of people when i i start talking about paperwork around here they really didn't understand Uh, like NDAs and also uh, video release. A lot of it is also to help promote the business. Even you go down there, they'll use the behind the scenes. So there'll be things that they capture that you might not be comfortable with, but they're going to use it. And if you sign the paperwork without reading it, you are putting yourself in a really difficult situation. You put yourself at extreme risk because that fine print, it's just like in the Tim Allen movie, The Santa Claus, that fine print is what bites you in the ass later on Mm -hmm. because there are some photographers that will own your image, your pictures, your videos outright and will do whatever they want with it. So you can end up on certain sites that you don't necessarily want to be on, but there's nothing you can do. Especially, actually, in the state of California, there really is nothing. Uh, they really stand behind the the creators of any digital media. Uh, whatever picture a photographer takes, doesn't matter if they bought it 
you actually still own the rights to that photo mm -hmm. and that's actually a lot of people don't realize that part and i will tell other models when they're looking at photographers i'll let them know that that uh, you might have bought that or you might have a copyright where um trade for copyright or portfolio but that photographer still owns it's it's like lending a book from the library like yeah. you can check that book out as many times as you want but the library still owns it yes and that's one of the things i like about your contracts is that every time you give me a new contract as we update our contracts between you and i every couple of years you yes. know, just to make sure i know that there's nothing in that contract that's going to hurt me harm me or put me in a position where i have to look you in the face and tell you that that clause in that contract is kind of scumbaggy and you always write out your contracts in a way where the models feel entirely safe. Like mm -hmm. I've even, the first contract you gave me, I took directly to a lawyer and I'm like, is this a safe contract? Should I be able to sign this safely and co like without any issues? And the lawyer even told me this is one of the best contracts and well-written photographer contracts that he had ever seen. And I was willing to fork out the $200 for his hour of time just to make sure. And it wasn't that I didn't trust you. It was that I didn't trust the industry. And that was because of all of the, like some of the bad experiences that I've had. And then once I saw how safe that contract was with you, I was willing to put my name on the signed line. Yeah, I believe in transparency. That's especially working with the model because you are having them give a portion of themselves to the work. And you're putting them in a vulnerable situation. So you want to be as transparent as you can working with other people. I mean, we we may be the talent, but it is our face. It is our flesh. It is our body. It is our presence that draws the people in. And as long as the contract is, it's almost like a BDSM contract between, not necessarily like in the same aspect of like, you know, like a, a slave and a master, but you make the contract as safe as, as possible for the model so that the model has that opportunity to like spread their wings in a different direction mm -hmm. without fear of persecution or fear of rejection. But you also put it in there for yourself that like, you know, you will ask certain things of certain models. And if they're not okay with it, like that's fine. You're not upset about it. You're not mad about it. And you'll just alter their contract to more into their parameters and where were their boundaries are at to ensure that they feel as safe as humanly possible working in the industry and working with you. Yeah. And well, that's also the mindset, the mindset I have working with everyone now. Uh, even when I did the, the baby photos, it's the same mentality. I'm open. I'm upfront. I'm, what they're allowed to do, what I'm allowed to do, you know, and any any business, you kind of want to be transparent throw as in, much as you can. Throw in that hazard pay in case one of the babies pukes or poops. Uh, I don't. That's all parent. Oh, that's all parent. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's what you get for having a genital trophy. You can get peed or puked on. So uh, expressing all the, the, the experience you have, the different photo styles, um, has, have you come into a certain stigma when and uh, when people find out that this is what you do, uh, whether in the industry or outside of the industry? What are some of the reactions that you get? Um, as as somebody who's part of the LGBT mafia, um, there's a lot of time. Like there are both times where I've done photo shoots with girls, and it's not necessarily like a sexually themed photo shoot. But you can see there's like a mild attraction between me and the other female. And I've had partners ask me to bring that specific girl into bed with us. Um, I've experienced times where partners 
are not comfortable, I'll show them examples of like photo shoots like you and I have done, or I'll mm. show them examples like the photos I've done in the past. And they get really uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I'm Satan in a Sunday hat. I can't help <laughs> your comfortability level. This is who I am. And there's only so much of myself that I can cram into a box mm-hmm. or chip away of myself to make somebody else happy. Before I start looking at myself in the mirror being like, who are you? Like, are you the same person you used to be? And it's a little disappointing. Like relationships, friendships are amazing. You always have those friends that are like hyping you up. They're like, yeah, do this shoot. Oh, you should wear this. They'll help you go pick out the outfits. They'll help you do everything for it. But having a partner that actually backs you, like a loving companion that isn't upset about your art and isn't jealous or angry or demands that you leave your art form behind to make them more comfortable, that's a lot harder to find. Those are those are few and far in between. It is very rare. I think it's just human emotions in general will step in the way because people want just A and the A and B, but they don't realize that your art expression doesn't always define who you are. It's an art and expression. However, they also should accept that that's the person they were attracted to in the first place. Like if you were, if you fell for someone who's a model because you knew they were a model, or you and saw you, those pictures that just like made your dick hard or your kitty wet, like that's that's different. <laughs> but that's that's something you knew ahead of time. You were well, you were made well aware in advance that this is the type of person or this is the type of lifestyle this specific person was leading. Um, I mean, at one point, like my ex-husband even tried to have me not really catfished, but he was trying to find out information about me where if he had just asked me the information, I would have told him the information, but instead he roped one of his buddies into it and yeah. And had his buddy trying to like get information about me. And it was really disappointing because I tried to explain to my, like this is my ex-husband. I tried to explain to him before we'd even got married that Velvet Von Blue, she's a persona. It's like, it would be no different if I was an actor in Hollywood being paid to play a role. It's no different than Johnny Depp being paid to play Willy Wonka or Angelina Jolie being paid to play Laura Croft and playing Tomb Raider. Velvet is just a character I play. And he tried setting me up and trying to get me into trouble. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why not just ask me? And he said that he didn't think I would tell him the truth. And in this industry, when you have a husband, a wife, a significant other, a partner, primary partner, secondary partner, whatever you have in this industry, it's extremely hard to Mm -hmm. have somebody really back you like that without the jealousy, without the questions of, oh, well, what are you doing? How is this shoot going to go? What are you wearing? What poses are you doing? Who all is going to be there and things like that? It's, It's hard. It's really hard. So you found that more people are shocked the the different styles especially when they find 
when would I show like the old photos of me when I lived in San Francisco and what I was doing some of my newer friends are surprised by it but my friends that have known me for 10 15 20 plus years are just like figures you would do something like that <laughs> figures figures you would you know you're the only reason why I moved to the Bay Area is because my long-term relationship ended and my grandma and my my Peapod best friend decided that they were going to conspire against me to get me out of this area to give me a chance to kind of decompress, really reestablish, get my ground back underneath me. Mm-hmm. And what they did was thrust me into the middle of the mecca of where I absolutely needed to be. And I thrived. I thrived so well. And it was amazing to see the difference of the person I was when like I moved to the Bay Area and then when I came back, I was a completely different person. I didn't care anymore. <laughs> I didn't care what people thought about me. I didn't care if I got dirty looks for wearing my cat ear hair clips around the street because, you know, fuck Bethel. <laughs> <laughs> um and so it was Velvet really moving down to the Bay Area really gave Velvet the chance to grow, Mm -hmm. but it also gave me the opportunity and to see how different the industry is this many years later. It's it's a breath of fresh air to see people embracing like their wilder, their freakier, their kinkier side. It's nice to see that being embraced. It's nice to see less vanilla things out there. It's also nice to be a part of a community. It is. I mean, there's communities everywhere, but to be able to see even like the Fet and Kink communities coming to such a small area up here is so amazing to see. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to to witness things that I haven't seen in 10 plus years being brought forward in such a small area where they're it's safe it's accepted it's not necessarily becoming normalized because kink will never be normalized in in the vanilla culture it'll never be normalized it it's always going to be taboo but to see more kink affiliated things be in our like our general culture like our day-to-day lives it's it's glorious Mm -hmm. it it's kind of like seeing it's kind of like watching a clay sculpture go from just being like a lump of clay sitting next to the wheel to becoming an actual piece of art. Kink is an art and it's always going to be an art and seeing it embraced more today. Is so amazing. It, it's, it warms my little black heart. I love so it. anyone coming into the industry, uh, as a model or, um, helping on a, uh, on a set what are some of the advice that you would give those uh those young individuals or just the, the greenhorns the babies the babies the babies i love the babies in the industry because they are so wide-eyed and so ready to learn they're like little sponges they want to learn everything so they're really interested in learning about hair and makeup and posing and clothes mm-hmm. and sets and things like that um but you do have to be careful. You have to be careful because babies are babies in the industry. You're really naive. Um, I <laughs> I always will make like what I call my my set bag, and in my set bag are things that I think out of randomly I'm going to need. So I put in like a sewing kit, 
and a little cheap sewing kit mm-hmm. from the dollar store. You never know when a garment's going to snag, tear, or need to be altered. Um, I throw in snacks. Granola bars are always the best things to throw in there. Um, water, gum. Water is a big factor. Water is a big front factor. Of the, lights, uh, uh, heat. the heat will get to you. Um, as somebody who went to Burning Man, they will actually send you like directions on how to do Burning Man. And they say to drink a gallon and a half of water a day out of Burning Man, at least. And so when I come into set, I try to bring at least a gallon of water with me. If not, I'm always asking like, you know, hey, is there someplace I can fill up my water bottle? Is there like a water station? But also water is really good for your skin. That's the other thing I would tell the baby, the baby models, like hydrate yourself. You have to hydrate yourself. Your skin is the only thing that is going to sustain you besides your looks throughout this industry. Mm And for someone who is 36 years old but still looks good for their age, I attribute it to drinking a lot of water. Um, I also throw things in my model bag that I think like other girls are going to need. So I throw in feminine hygiene products. I will throw that into my my set Mm -hmm. bag just because I don't know if the other females on set are going to be in need. But it's like having a gun. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. That's very true, especially when you're out on a location and your yeah, locations are really hard. If I have to do like an out of studio location shoot and I'm gonna be like out in the wilderness, I'll throw in a roll of toilet paper, like a thing of baby wipes, bug repellent, citronella candles. The the main thing everyone forgets comfortable walking shoes. Comfortable I don't walking know how many shoes. Sets that come oh in my with gosh. The heels, but we have to go for a walk to get the location. And you've got these girls prancing around looking like newborn calves trying yeah. to walk down a hill in like three and four inch heels. And of course I'm running around in either combat boots, house slippers, or a pair of like Ugg slipper boots. And I'm just having the time of my life and these girls are complaining about blisters and dirt in their <laughs> toes and all of these horrible things. I'm like, sorry, babe, I can't relate. <laughs> And, but that's also because of the years in the industry. It's these newer girls, like, they just want to dismiss us OGs. And they need to realize that we've put in the time. We've put in the effort and the energy. We have paved the way for these little baby models to be coming into the industry. Yeah. We've made the environment safer. You know, the Me Too movement really hit the entertainment and modeling industry yes, big. There's a lot of photographers that got blacklisted. There's a lot of companies that got blacklisted because their staff, their photographers, or people that were involved in set were too touchy-feely, too personal bubble space invaders, too inappropriate. Yeah. And we don't need that in the industry. Like and This the, is supposed to be the, safe. And a lot of the babies, uh, they think that they have to shut up and deal with it. Oh, no, no, no. As one OG, at, I like to refer to myself sometimes as like the the strip club house mom to all the babies in the modeling industry that are listening and, and viewing this. If you feel for any moment that you are being compromised or your opinions or feelings are being dismissed by anybody on set, you absolutely have the right to get up and leave. You don't have to tolerate that business. That's what those of us in the industry that we've gone through, the sexual harassment, the sexual exploitation, the the uncomfortable touching, the mm-hmm. be pretty and shut up. We've been through that and you do not have to go through that anymore. You have a voice and a whole group of, of 
elders who are backing you and will support you 100% and will put you in touch with safe producers, safe directors, safe photographers, safe set designers where you don't have to be scared of being told to put up and shut up. Yeah. So, I mean, and also uh, I encourage every every model, especially the ones who I stopped working with in the past and they were going off on their own, is research and ask around about photographers always use social networking to figure out who's worth working with not just that but also incorporate the buddy system yes if i'm meeting with a new photographer or they want to do one of those like hey let's meet in a hotel or let's meet here that's not necessarily an extremely public place like a coffee shop or a bookstore or someplace that feels really public I will absolutely like implore the buddy system and I will bring one of my friends with me. And usually I'll bring one of my gay buddies with me who's very large and as I like to call like my bears, I'll bring a bear (laughs) with me. I'll bring one of my, my gay bears with me because they're scary. They're intimidating. But it also shows the person that's trying to interview that like you mean business that and you absolutely can as as a model you can ask to have a friend on set at all times and if a photographer tells you no walk away walk away immediately like we allow that we like for after hours like we don't necessarily want partners or children on set because they're mildly distracting but partners also have a tendency to throw out the jealousy But if you want to bring like one of your friends with you and they just want like we'll set them up with, you know, Internet, video, staff, we'll set them up with everything. If that'll make you feel more comfortable, we don't want girls or anybody, anybody in this industry, at least through us, to feel like they have to do something that they are uncomfortable with or anything like that. That is furthest thing we want to do and that kind of separates us away from a lot of the industry is we keep for a comfortability factor and a lot of places want to put you in situations that are out of your range of safety and that's not okay so with uh with well i know everything kind of got sidetracked with uh with 2020 Uh, a lot of photography stopped 2020 uh, a lot of uh, modeling kind of ceased to exist around here. Which is weird because a lot of the modeling, it, it, it does contain to the whole six foot rule, but you still, the human contact, it's the human contact. You have to be concerned. Like, is this photographer, like, have they been around somebody yes. who's been exposed to COVID? You don't really know. What- you don't know. Like me, I had to actually do a 28 day quarantine from December through January. Uh, I live with, a family member right now my family home burned down uh, almost two years ago and I've been living with a family member for a few months and they work at a medical facility and they actually brought COVID home right before Christmas so I had to do one of those 28 day quarantines and I'll tell you what that thing was insane I never showed any symptoms or any signs of COVID they did they tested positive I just, I, I don't know. It's it's scary. It is. It's a completely indiscriminate disease. It goes after who it wants to, how it wants to, and when it wants to. So with with uh, 2020, I mean, did you did you find any anything that helped uh, help you cope? Smoking like, weed helped me cope. <laughs> <laughs> drinking that, that would... beer, drinking beer helped me cope. Um, like, did you pick up any hobbies? I from... did. Um, 
years ago when I was doing like the rockabilly scene, I would make my own hair pieces. So I would make flowers with like little veils or flowers and things or feathers and things like that. And I noticed during the lockdown, a lot of people were asking for them. And so I decided to take just my love of making vintage hair clips and actually turn it into a a small business. It's nothing big. It's, you know, through social media, I'm nothing close to being anywhere near Mm. to doing like store businesses and things like that. But it's something that keeps my hands busy and I love it. And it's me being able to show like showcase, like my other forms of art. Like I'm not just a pretty face. I'm not just a body with, you know, nice hair and pretty clothes. I have other talents. And so it gives me, a little bit of a, a reach. It gives me a chance to flex my creativity and make these gorgeous clips for people to wear in their hair. Any form of expression. Any form of expression at this point, you know, with the my industry got completely shut down. I do catering, I do modeling, I do set design. You know, I'm not just me. I do so many other things. And so when COVID hit my whole world plans A, B, C through Z. All of my plans for fallback fell through. And then I realized that the flower clips that I had making for years for my hair or for photo shoots were actually being requested and demanded. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of people are, are gravitating towards uh, like more locally made and also. Uh, uh, people who who are getting off the ground they're 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 gravitating more towards that than actually going and getting the cookie cutter item that you can get at every other local walmart yeah no my flower hair clips they're not cookie cutter i i take the time to tailor the flower like i i sit with my customer and i ask them like what kind of flowers they're looking for what kind of designs are they looking for what kind of embellishments are they are they looking for glitter are they looking for rhinestones are they looking what specifics are they looking for and then i kind of get to learn about their personality and not only do i make the hair order or the clip order customized for them but the box that it comes in is also customized as well um I just did one for a girlfriend of mine. She lives down in Southern California and she just started a vegetable garden. So the box that I actually had made for her looks like seed packets for pumpkins, beets, cucumbers, tomatoes, sweet peas. Um, And I just, I sat there and I just, I created the the box designed to look like a seed packet that you would see in a store, but it's got her last name on it to signify that it's hers Mm -hmm. and when i sent that to her she sent me a video message and she was she was so happy she's like thank you so much i love the box i love the flowers i never get anything nice for myself and now she's using the box that i sent her her hair clips in as her seed box for her veggie (laughs) garden it's really a there it's was, a boost there was, for me. There was an effort. I mean, uh, uh, you're making an effort to please a customer on different Yeah, angles. like, I'm, I'm no Bob Ross by any stretch of the means. Like, I could never be as good as Mr. Ross. R.I.P. Bob Ross and his <laughs> afro. Um, but I... The spirit of happy tree. <laughs> the spirit of happy tree compels me um, to, like, 
I making the hair flower clips is one thing. Like anybody can sit at a table with a hot glue gun and silk flowers and felt and breaths and glue hair flowers together. What I do is I get to know the people that I'm making these for. So there's that there's an emotional connection, not like that. Mm-hmm. But like there's like there's a there's an exchange of energy between me and the person that I'm making it for and I really try to tailor make them for their color schemes, the outfit they wear. Um, I had another friend of mine order one and she said she wanted it cute but spooky. So I designed her box with like a, a full moon and um, this really cool spooky tree with like a cauldron and I added glitter to her flowers and a fake spider that I painted to her clip because she wanted something she, spooky but cute and i was like okay i got you i no problem so what's uh what is your 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 business called um i started a flower business called flowers by von blue blu um i started that i wanted since velvet von blue is with is my model name and i've been using her for years i figured it was time to give her something that she could do and so when i'm making like the hair clips and things like that i'm like oh well what kind of things would velvet include oh she'd include a bunch of glitter Mm -hmm. she'd include a lot of like burlesque light catching extravagant not necessarily huge and over the top but definitely an eye catcher a showstopper type of piece Mm -hmm. and so with with flowers by Von Blue, I'm getting to express my love of not only the rockabilly community, but with the the decorations of the flowers, I can express my love of the burlesque community and the fet community. Something that if you're underneath lights, it's really going to reflect. It's going to catch. Yeah. Somebody's going to walk up to you and be like, oh my God, where did you get your flower? Oh my God, where'd you get that hairpiece from? Something that's definitely going to not necessarily like give me clout, but definitely help me through like the word of mouth and give me the ability to show and express my craft a lot more and and share it with the people that are around me, share it with the community that I love and share it with the people that mean the most to me. So being in the industry um, and us working with with each other, uh, I, I is there anything that you'd like to ask this side of it? Because usually I do. There's been there's been so many questions throughout the years. I've always wanted to ask you, and just like we're so busy working with either ourselves or with other models that we never really get to like. I never get to pick your brain, yeah, and I've no always one really does no. They're, and they're, I they're... I want to pick your brain like an Egyptian embalmer. Then there's a lot of the, like the, the, a lot of people are afraid to ask. Some of the models I work with, uh, they they want to do photography themselves or they get the lighting, but. Uh, what I've noticed, though, is that uh, personally, when I ask a question to another professional, a lot of times they don't want to give up any information whatsoever. They are very tight-lipped. They are sometimes brash and rude. Ooh, but uh, my they favorite don't wanna... people, brash and rude. Yeah, brash want... is my favorite color. <laughs> they don't, don't want to indulge anything or help teach anyone. So a lot of times I'll just suddenly, oh, okay, this is what you do. 
but no one really asks me questions and and that's I think not it wasn't... fair because like you're you're like a plethora of knowledge there's a there's a lot up here in this dome you're an encyclopedia encyclopedia britannica your whole series of knowledge and i'm surprised nobody's ever tried to pick your brain on that's kind of sad i think they wonder if uh if i'm just gonna be like everyone else which i'm gonna tell you right now it's because the beard is intimidating is that what it is like the beard intimidates i've people? never heard intimidating <laughs> i've heard people say how glorious i mean the, i've heard i've the heard beard people is say glorious. glorious beard is nice beard. that was i went to a training one time and we were supposed to write down something that they observed or something that they liked about someone and all 36 people <laughs> i was the 37th all wrote in a piece of paper how amazing or glorious my beard was. And yes, it's shorter than it was. As somebody who is sitting less than five feet away from the beard, I can attest this beard is pretty epic. Like, yes, it's, it's, and it's shorter than it was. It is. It was it's like, a lot shorter than it was. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, if I was a dude, I would not have big dick envy of you. I'd have beard <laughs> envy. I would. Everyone, I, it's awesome. Some of the coworkers I work with, they'll have beards and they're like, what do you put in your beard? But that's also because I remember you like, before the beard so i remember like baby face yes and i hated it I hated no it. i like the beard it's way better yeah. it make it makes you look more adult more professional more serious refused. i had to uh shave it off for a job i remember oh she was so your kid she, was so mad i i walked up to her and she's just looked at me and went you <laughs> really? leave it leave no. it to my name to my partial namesake and my god daughter to look at you and just be like straight like straight face like like dead as a corpse like no mm -mm. <laughs> that was the response but yeah i mean uh no one's ever asked me any questions uh you know if, there, if why did something... all right well why did you start adhm like what what started you on your path uh, a lot of it was i've been taking photography uh photographs for a long time but from polaroid to just the point and shoot um I originally started all this by editing everyone else's photo. Well, I you... was the guy that just would lighten it up. I would take. I was the Photoshop guy. And... Like filters before they were filters on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, because I had Photoshop too, and I would I would do a lot of work. And I kept thinking, oh, I I can do this. This is easy. So I, I just reached out and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I took um, Polaroid uh, photos of a friend, and they came out. Polaroids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you, I was, will I was you explain actually, to these younger children who don't know what a Polaroid... Will a, you please explain it is that? It's a point and shoot that actually develops a little cartridge and a little film pops out. And within seconds, chemicals actually will You got to wave it. You got to shake it. You got to shake it. You're really not supposed to. You're not? No. Actually, I've always told it, like you shake it like you got like Michael that, J. Fox Parkinson's. You got to shake it. damages the paper in there. <gasps> oh, You're supposed no. to let it sit and it will slowly develop itself. That's why... Um, That's good if you to look, know because I've done that forever. <laughs> if you look at older versions of it, you see they the lines at the bottom. It's because you're rushing uh... it and breaking it. So you so, learn something new every day, children. Don't shake Polaroid. So I started with the Polaroid, but at that at that point, I was still setting up the lighting. I was not, you know, whatever was there, so it wasn't flat. It, I would angle lights around me. I would use uh, lamps around, and I would start putting paper in front of items and, and reflecting paper. I was actually setting up my environment as it was a studio. Without even realizing you were setting it up no, as it was a just, studio. I wanted, I wanted this look. I wanted this, So I started playing around with it. And I would tell my friend, hey, stand right there. And then, okay, I'm going to try it. And I just start taking shoot. I mean, I, I spent a lot of money on those cartridges. So <laughs> getting the right angle and the right lighting. And then I just went with what I found. And that just slowly developed 
getting uh, my first DSLR camera, which is a Sony. Oh, um, I remember that one. That yeah. was like your pride and joy there for a hot minute. That shot so many of the original yes. Velvet Von Blue photos, a lot of the original After Hours photos. Do you think that your camera choice at the beginning has segued you into your camera choice to now? It has. Uh, I found it difficult with that camera to find other lenses and... Um, finding the software that would take the raw format. So I jumped to uh, Nikon, which that was what I worked with everyone. And it's like the standard of the industry. Everybody has Nikons. Yeah, I, I liked it. I just need something that can do video and pictures. So then I started looking at Canon. Everyone kept saying, okay, at the, this time frame, Canon is where you want to go to take video. So I, was, I looked at everywhere and the image quality that I get is right now from Canon. So I am now a Canon individual. Like you stand by it, try to stand will die on the hill of I Canon. I will only stand by Canon. This is like the camera I, I love. This is, and when I go up, it's going to stay with Canon, but it has to be able to deliver on the same video and quality, which they are doing right now. But Canon's where I'm at. Do you think that the difference between still photography and live video photography, quote unquote, is there a difference between the two? Uh, there is with uh, image quality. You have the ratio size for uh, a lot of the sensors. The video ratio, which um, there's a lot, the higher, like 8K cameras, you can turn around and f freeze a frame and take it as a picture and that uh, you can use that. Uh, but it is the frame rate. If you're doing video, you want to make sure you're at the highest rate, which is like 60 frames a second which gives like the sharp quality and contrast what the human eye sees. And then there's a frame rate that you can't dip below to the, your eye kind of just picks up on it and it's too shaky, it's too janky. You don't really like the, um, you can see a big difference from, like if you watch YouTube and you go to the settings bar and you go down to like 240p and then you look at the 4K quality, there's a big difference. There is a big difference. You don't have the pixelation, it is, it's, and it's, 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 it's something it, that's just developing more and more. It's like watching the original once color TV became a thing. It's like watching television on an original color screen and then watching it on like the top of the line 70 plus flat screen. It's a big, huge jump. Do you think that your style of photography has changed over the years through your adaptations through the cameras that you've been using? I think the what, what really has changed is the... The lighting technique. You like the lighting technique. The lighting a lot technique better. has has changed. Um, the it's it's lighting up the setup, the environment, and also the feel of the photo. Uh, every every photo I try grabbing, especially working with individual on a model or a subject, I want to tell a story. So the lighting is the difference between make it flat, and boring, to mysterious. Also to change the body shape of the individual just by changing the shadow. It, it can make a feel, it can make the environment, it can make the image tell the story that you're trying to convey. So I have worked for years on setting up what angles work best, what uh, surfaces work best to reflect the lighting, how to get the, the emotion behind the image. So this way you look at it and you see, oh, this is really sad, or this is very a very emotional uh, image. Uh, or this is very mysterious and I want more and I've worked really hard to bring it uh, that quality to my work and that's 
where I'm at right now is the lighting technique that I've, I've brought forward is something that I've I've worked so I don't really see a lot of people doing it um, when you go down south more you start seeing people kind of similar bring the same that body. Styles. yeah do you what when you started out what was your style of photography exclusively known for and where is it at today uh honestly it was model photography um i was known as the pinup in uh rockabilly those are the two styles everyone uh, there were other photographers around here, but they were the bubbly kitsch. Uh, they Jeez, were the cheesy, style. yeah. Um, and a lot of the individuals I worked with, they wanted more rough, more edgy, and uh, more of a I'm gonna be a badass type of uh, type of photograph. And that's what I came, became known for is the rockabilly and that the darker, edgier pinup. And that's what I, everyone kind of like. Okay, this is go to him go to him and that's that's where I was then now um, I do I don't do as much anymore uh, working with models uh, I'm trying to start working um, bringing that back but I'm trying to expand from all ages to not just women but men men have been hard, harder to get into staying in front of the camera I, I there's like a stigma that if they stand from camera, there's more of a um, feminine thing to it, mm -hmm. um, which is really it's 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 a downer. <laughs> I, uh, I I ran into one of our our models. I love to call her the Grace Jones mm. of After Hours. She is stunning. She is my Nubian goddess. And I was actually talking to her about doing like a couples boudoir style shoot, and she said she was entirely a hundred percent thousand percent behind it but it was getting her husband comfortable enough to be doing that type of shoot do you think that men in the modeling community are more hesitant to be involved in the shoots with their partner or do you think they're more inclined to want to completely avoid it because of the the stigma of men in the industry i think they want to uh, avoid it which i know who you're talking about um He's a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. He's also a very shy person. Very painfully shy, and it's so adorable. But, and he's he's really cool. We had a good good conversations, but I would try to hit him behind the scene shots, and he would quickly scurry off. And he was like, and he was really cool. I mean, we we talked about really nerdy stuff up my up my alley. Um, but um, I think with uh, having just males uh, male models come on board, they usually there's there's it has to be a stigma because that's that's what I've the response I've gotten from a lot of them. So I'm trying to look for more males to come in. You know, I mean, it's not just pinup; it's uh, headshots or if they want to just sit down, have a beer in their hand. You had the ink series there for a hot minute. That was really popular with both men, women, but it got really popular in the LGBT community as yes, well. There were a lot of. I I kind of would like to do. I would like to do that as well. But uh, a lot of people were um they were starting to want more than than just that they were starting to become demanding yeah it wasn't it was like okay show off your artwork Ex you know show off your artwork that expresses you to like okay i'm going to get new ink i want you to, f to photograph it that's that's not what it's about i want to hear the story people want to hear the story that's why people have ink there's a story written on their arms share what this this tattoo means to you not just because you got a new one no it's it's they everyone 
know, there's a, an individual I, I photographed. He had a large butcher knife that was on his arm, but it was because he was a culinary. Um, yeah, uh, he, he was in the culinary arts for years. It was it's his passion. But he also had music notes, but there were music notes and then around a cupcake. There was a huge story behind there's that. There's a huge, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes, there was a huge story behind that cupcake. And it's a loving story between yes. between a parent and their child. And it's such a sweet story. And then and then I've had individuals that had a tattoo that was unfinished. <laughs> and there was a huge story behind the unfinished work and why they didn't want anyone else to do it. Because the individual who was doing it was no longer here. So it was a sentimental piece, uh, and it, the story, you know, the tattoo had meaning behind it in general, but it just, it, it it went deeper. And that's why I wanted people to share, and they just, oh, no, I'm getting new ink. Well, well why? Um, what's, what is it? And then, like, oh, yeah, it's just, um, it's, just it's an, e an eagle. Oh, okay, there was really no story behind it. They just started asking me to take pictures of it. That's not why I did the ink, the ink series. Do you think that your styles have changed over the years because of the models that have been presented to you? Or do you think that you've tailored your styles more to the industry standards of, of its evolution as a whole? My, my styles pretty much evolved with me. Um, that's it. I've, I've always been set apart. I Every photographer that I've met with the group, uh, they have this certain mindset. And it's it's even they they, they, they are doing something a little different they all have the same mentality which I've always been opposite I am transparent when I work I am upfront with um, any information I'm also upfront with uh, any changes um, I give advice uh, which a lot of people don't give advice in the industry they won't give away their secrets um, and uh, I want other people to be uh, comfortable. So my, my style and uh, environment that I create is catered to my own. My photography style is evolved from me, myself. I'm, I've not met a lot, a whole lot of people that share the similar look. And I've met a couple of where they tried copying it, um, but it didn't last very long because they, they, they hit their, their roadblock for themselves. Oh, it's even terrible when they hit that roadblock. That's the block that just kind of stops the creativity process. Do you think that your personal limitations on photo shoots have hindered you in the industry? Do you think it's helped you a little bit more? No, it's it's definitely helped um, because I'm not. I've, I've had people call me the just a guy with a camera, which far from it. What an uh, insult. Yeah. Um, my gender has nothing to do with uh, my creativity. It has nothing to do with supporting others' uh, creativity. And and no, there's things that I don't want to see and I don't want to know about, uh, especially involving the models and the model's body. I have my own limitations, but it's, it's helped me grow, uh, after hours grow really quick in a short amount of time. Um, very trustworthy, and I try to work with everyone to be trustworthy because we are both putting ourselves in a situation where it can we can anyone can take advantage so i always try to be uh completely different than other people other photographers other business owners do you feel as a photographer that you've ever been taken advantage of in a situation either by a model or like another company no yes i have yes i have uh i had this really elaborate idea taking uh an a uh more of a Brothers Grimm type style 
and I went to specific people that matched, not just women, but men um, uh, and, and characters that matched the characters that I drew out would be perfect for this. And then the environment. And then I found out, well, I stopped. And then um, one of the models came up to me and asked, hey, I didn't know you were working with this photographer. No clue what they were talking about. Uh, they said that they were approached by another photographer and Apparently, they're working on this Brothers Grimm fairy tale type of session. The darker side of fairy the, yeah. tales. And it just so happened that uh, this model found out that other models who I had talked to uh, were approached it as well. So someone that I had shared that information with and they were on board to be part of it went to someone else and a photographer out of town came in. And that actually got them a lot of business in the industry and catapulted them. So uh, I've also had models uh, use uh, my images for their for their own, even though we did like a trade for portfolio. Uh, a trade, you cannot make money off of. Yeah, no, a TFP is one of those. The photographer comes in, takes photos of you, and it's to help stock your model portfolio, but it's also to help stock the photographer's portfolio to show... It's kind of like a tattoo artist. You go to a tattoo artist, you get tattoo work done, they put a picture of you in their folder. It's to show potential clients, this is what I am capable of, this is what I can do. Do you think that your time in the industry helps set you apart from other photographers? It, it definitely has. Um, it is more than just client and clientele um, business. A lot of them have became friends. Uh, a lot of them have established that friend. So I know not just, we don't just, uh, okay, we're going to work. There's communication outside of work. We've met family members. Uh, we've had barbecues. We've had where we got together and had a drink with a big group, or we just sat and BSed with a handful of them. So it's, it's become more of an extended family. Do you think that your position in the industry has, suffered through your own personal relationships is it is it hard to be a photographer in the industry right now it is very hard to be a photographer in the industry uh there's oh being around other individuals uh or uh, it does take a there's our human emotions that come through um same thing as i've seen models and and their relationships you know there's there's questions that come in and sometimes you know, out of respect you just kind of have to take a step back um but don't give up the craft uh just uh find a an equal ground uh like right now there's certain things i don't really do out of respect of my relationship but there's also, it's also out of respect for uh, myself you know growing up i i growing having a daughter i wanted want her to find someone that has you know the respect of others and their loved ones um but i don't want to give up the craft completely so there's it's hard it's it's, it's difficult it is a straining do you ever think that you would let your tiny human be involved once she's obviously older do you think you'd allow her to be involved in the photography industry show her how to like to do things behind sets I actually encourage if she, whatever direction and what she wants to learn, I encourage her to learn it. Do the same things that I, I, I state to the models and, and set designers and photographers. Do your research. Make sure it's something you want to do. 
and also just don't forget who you are don't don't uh, lose yourself you know don't lose the humanity in you people aren't objects don't let people treat you as an object uh, be be assertive and don't let anyone take advantage uh, so if she went that route as stepping in front of the camera or becoming a photographer I would just encourage her to make sure that that's the direction she wants to go and don't let anyone tell her otherwise because it's not just talent that could be hurt in the industry it's also the photographers and set crew are you if she were to get into the industry is there anything that you would want her to be very mindful of especially as like a female in the scene as a photographer is there anything you'd feel like even female photographers that are listening do you think there's something that you could bestow on them that would help keep them safe in the industry don't let money change your uh your beliefs don't let the dollar signs really let you lose of your values. I mean, stay strong, stay firm, and don't budge for anyone but yourself. So I, if she did, and any other, because uh, I know you know, next generation is going to be a photographer. There's also going to be the douchebags out there, but there's also going to be the people who want to make sure everyone is safe while doing it or encourage and support. Be supportive. Don't be a douche. Where do you see After Hours Digital Media going in the next in the next year? Actually, in the next year, there is a lot happening. Um, not just the podcast I've created in the past year, which is going a different route. The, when I first did this, it was hanging out with friends, having a drink, goofing off, BSing. It is now I'm using it as a tool to educate. I'm also using it as a form of expression. You know, let the other person... Uh, share their stories, but also teach something. Uh, so I have a model right now uh, and on someone who's also has a small business that's growing, uh, but there's also going to be a musician or a cosplay artist teaching. I want everyone to share their craft. And right now, the internet is a good teaching tool, but sometimes they want to have people's opinions uh, and full opinions on something and hear it and listen to it and encourage well in the age of covid right now we're really limited on the human interaction time that we're allowed to have with people i know for me i have to keep myself very protected because i'm immunocompromised um is there anything that you do during this quarantine this lockdown that you feel helps keep the set and crew safe when you're doing your photography uh we wearing we still wear masks uh we provide um hand sanitizer but we keep a distance if there's someone who i I encourage the model to bring someone they know to or that they live with uh to help be their assistant uh, so they can be safe they also know that individual um their personal life they also know that where that individual has been they there's that trust between like them. a prod uh, like a pod procedure yes. where somebody's been in the bubble with the person yes okay um but after hours uh uh oh i i expanded after hours it was just after hours photography when i first started it was. Uh, at least that's what our matching tattoos say <laughs> yeah, it was the after hours uh and i went to after hours digital media a few years in the in the past um, but I was, I was still not uh, certain of what direction because I know photography has always been a thing, video has always been a thing, but everyone kind of uh, still stick around the photography. So I went back to after hours photography, 
with my background being in digital media, which is graphic design, video, video editing, photo editing. Um, I mean, adding... that's what you went to school for. That's yes. literally your educational background over here with Mr. Alumni <laughs> of local university with one of the best computer graphics design programs, at yes. least up here in the northern state. So uh, I wanted to incorporate all of that and help teach so and help educate others so after hours digital media is what came in incorporating packages for graphic design if you wanted assistance with building up a social media uh, uh, reach I step in and help with that I create layouts I assist other people with their YouTube channels with their audio with their video editing I am the digital media specialist to help you gain your momentum where you want to be with your goal and incorporating YouTube, which I do have a YouTube channel. Um, I have not put up content yet due to uh, work. Um, but I do have uh, the podcast encouraging that to um, another teaching device as well. But also just to socialize and, and, and hear other people's, um, person, uh, other people's opinions and, and preferences. Uh, I am also utilizing... Um, uh, my website as well as uh, just the video editing in general everything is digital media expand I want a powerhouse that's always want what I wanted I've always wanted to own my own complete studio uh, to propel what I want for my goals but I also want to help others propel their goals as well so this this year is going to be very interesting for myself and very in interesting for um, other content creators as well. Do you think in a post-COVID world, because we're about a year out from the original official, hey, we have an issue with this disease type of declaration, do you think that within the last year, everybody has really moved more towards the media aspect of the photography and film industry? And if so, what do you have as far as like tips and tricks for somebody who is starting a multimedia social media platform for themselves? So with, since the digital uh, with the, the digital media portion, I am able to work separate from um, keeping no contact. I'm able to work from um, from home, but I'm also uh, it is building up your platform with. Uh, you know, banners, I'm helping give advice, uh, what works, what doesn't work. Um, also giving advice on lighting techniques. A lot of people I work with right now have their own, they're, they're starting out with their own uh, videos and their own tutorials and their own um, uh, um, YouTube reach. And a lot of them have a set that I see is not really working. So I use my advice, my, my experience as a photographer and a videographer and how to set up the environment, not just make it flat and plain, but what's gonna actually appease the eye, what I would use on set to uh, enhance the image and the environment. So that's actually everything that I've learned personally and built up um, on my work, but also everything I've learned and, and was taught in school. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you and ask you questions on more of like, like this, like a one-on-one -on -one personal basis, what's the easiest and best way for those people to get in touch with you? So I have uh, on Facebook, I have After Hours Digital Media, um, but it's also, I have my website, which is theartistcello.com. That's where I mainly work out of. 
uh, with assisting other content creators. Uh, but if you want to email me, the best email is uh, Mayan King, M-A-Y-A-N-K-I-N-G-24 at gmail.com. I do a lot of my business emails. There will be a new email coming up that's catered to just the business portion, but I'm trying to make it easy to contact uh, myself and my company. But um, uh, Facebook is usually the best the best mode. So go to After Hours Digital Media at Facebook. And... Uh, uh, theartistcello.com, uh, my personal website. Now, what is the Artist Cello's main hub on their YouTube page? Like, what can we see coming from that? Uh, coming from that would be tutorials. Uh, if you want to learn how to make a logo, uh, if you want to learn about lighting and photography, uh, if you want to have questions like uh, people who are going to do their own photos or models that are going to do their own photography, their own sessions, but they don't know the lighting, uh, they would just have to stop at the YouTube channel and they would get a tutorial on the lighting, on how to set it up, what angles work will work best for them, and then they would just experiment and use it uh, for themselves. Uh, it is all photography, video, graphic design, some vlogging of uh, certain locations, um, but it's just uh, whatever they wanted to learn or whatever they wanted to ask, they're, they're free to ask. And, that's really helpful, especially because we live in the post-COVID type of era where we can't just go up to like a Starbucks or a Dutch Bros and meet up with a photographer. We actually have to do heavier research on them. And the fact that you have these types of platforms, especially with YouTube and Facebook, you're giving everybody the opportunity to be able to learn kind of at their own pace. Do you think that this type of social media platforms would have been helpful for you when you first started out if somebody had given you like these types of tips and tools and tricks? Actually, it would have been very helpful. So most, most of the stuff that I've, I've picked up, I've, I've watched other YouTubers doing it because they had the same thing. Um, like the big, the big one I can think of is Peter McKinnon. He just learned by doing, but he had all these questions as well. Uh, the only difference is he was near New York. So he had more famous photographers they had to bring up. Yes, yeah. there's all these questions that he had and they were more helpful. Now with me coming in uh, years ago, it was just learning by doing and experimenting and, and the re responses from other people. Kind of like a trial and error process. Yes, you I, saw what did work and what didn't work and what worked you really yeah. tailor and custom made into a big business. I mean, for me, I think just getting to watch the development from it just being after hours like the logo that we both matching have you know on yes. us to see it go from that to being what it is now it's it's very it was amazing to watch you take it and just run with it as fast and as hard as you did i was really proud to watch it's been it fun. It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to be a part of. I I remember like one of our very like the very first time you discussed that you were doing this photography thing, and I was a hundred percent behind it. Like I was raring and ready to go, and I was with a partner that wasn't necessarily comfortable with it. And I said goodbye to the partner and hello to after hours, and I've never looked back. And I've had so much fun doing it. It's been a fun adventure. It's been a great adventure. It's hard to believe that we've been at this for as long as we have, and it kind of feels like. We've done so much in such a small amount of time, but we've also done certain things in this industry that have really pushed the bounds and yes. 
push not only ourselves as the conceptual artists, but ourselves as individuals to really a good place. I'm really proud of it. On that note, um, I think... I think well, there's gonna be a lot more fun things that are gonna be coming to store. I can't store. wait! I can't um, wait! And and please uh, look for uh, flowers by Von Blue and help support her in creating all these this beautiful artwork. And maybe um, we'll get together and, and I can do some product photography. Oh, uh, I'm so sick of that. I've got inventory just sitting there waiting to be photographed. Yeah. And then um, we still plan on collaborating a lot, especially with the the product photography. Um, well, I'll be back. I'll be and, back now that I've gotten to do this first podcast. I'm gonna come back. Yeah, but I will have her. I will have all my guests uh, returning for other things, other topics. Um, also, just to maybe we'll do like responses or um, uh, videos. Questions. I love questions. If anybody's got questions for me, please feel free to send them in. I love answering the questions, and I will answer them to the best of my capabilities. And and we'll just keep this rolling. Um, but until then, uh, I thank everyone for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. And please stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, do you have any closing remarks? Don't eat yellow snow. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, That's like the best information I can always give everybody. Don't eat yellow snow. Oh, and um, if you're a gentleman, always ask for her ID because just because she looks 18 doesn't mean she is. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's yes. like the best advice I can ever give anybody. That is the best <laughs> advice. Yeah. I mean, that's always... like the perfect advice. <laughs> So uh, join us next time um, as on our next episode. Um, I will be uh, taking a small break from the podcast, but I'll be updating on the current changes. Um, just going to try and figure out different methods on, on delivery, but uh, I will be updating as we go because the studio is still still growing. It's still evolving, and there's a lot more coming. Uh, there's a lot more coming this year. I'm excited. I can't wait to come back and do this again. All right, everyone, I thank you again. And everyone, just have fun with it and just keep, just keep going. Oh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. All right, and we're out.